For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm not a betting guy, but for y'all that are, there's Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. You've got the Belmont Stakes this weekend. There's no chance for a triple crown bob baffert won't be there they're still gonna be running the race the nba playoffs are rolling so there's all kinds of options for you head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts and for everybody that's wondering about td uh, hasn't been on the last few episodes as you know, if you listen regularly, he's got his TDBA, Tony Delt Basketball Academy. He's coaching AAU boys and girls, multiple grades, and the summertime is really busy, <laughs> slammed. So he's traveling and coaching and tournaments and the whole thing. So well, when things slow down, hopefully TD will be back on the podcast. We definitely enjoy his knowledge and his insight. It's been an honor for me to be able to co-host episodes of Believing Kentucky with him. So we definitely wish him all the best with all his kids, boys and girls, with all the tournaments and everything going on AAU-wise this summer. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Believe in Kentucky, Believe Podcast Network, number one podcast network for professionals. My name is Vinny Hardy here, coming to you this Thursday evening. Got another fun episode. We got a former cat with us here, played for Cal. We're going to look into a little bit of last year, but of course, look forward to the positive fixes for the future. We got Todd Lancher in here with us this evening, man. Todd. Appreciate you hopping on this episode, man. How you doing? I'm great, man. Thank you for having me. It's a it's a blessing to get back out here and talk a little basketball in the off season. So thank you for for including me in the podcast, man. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, had to do it. And speaking of, you know, getting back and trying to do stuff, the the squad has been doing some satellite camps. They were in Union. They were in Bardstown. Mm-hmm. What's it like out there getting with the kids and? mingling and and just kind of going throughout the state like that you've been from Lexington you you know about it for sure yeah it was uh it was a blast I mean you know I got to travel uh you know playing high school ball around the area but you never get to see it in the way that you do through the lens of uh of being a wildcat and uh, the way that those those young guys young, young players boys and girls uh look up to you um it gives you you know a real sense of pride that you're able to 
to educate the, you know, the up and coming class below you um, and, and just kind of pass along some of that knowledge that uh, you may or may not have gotten in your own experience. Um, I took some things that I learned, you know, growing up and, and learning from, from other guys. I remember going to camps with, you know, Saul Smith and Cameron Mills and those guys and, um, and appreciating the way that they took their time and uh, focused their energy on, on making it, you know, a po- having a positive impact on those younger groups um, and kind of use, put my own spin on it and use the, some of the things that they taught me um, and, uh, and, you know, continue to pass along that knowledge. I think that that's where the growth of the game comes from. Um, that's where a lot of the passion that, uh, that young kids start to play with gets instilled in moments like that. So it's a, it's a real blessing to be in a position to be able to give back. Um, and, and like I said, pass that knowledge along and continue to, to elevate the game. That's it. You mentioned Cameron Mills. We had Cam on a few episodes back. You are a fellow Dunbar alum, just like Cam, Lexington native, just like Cam. Border number 21, you had a father that played for Kentucky, both of you guys, Terry Mills for Cameron, Bo Lanter for yourself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of similarities there for you guys, man. Absolutely. Uh, Cam and I have got a pretty good relationship. I've been on his show a couple times um, in the past. We like to, you know, uh, you know, poke at each other back and forth. Um, the 21, the number 21 for me came because my dad wore number 12. Um, and when I came in my first year, Ryan Harrow was wearing, was wearing number 12. And, uh, they were just like, how about 21? I was like, I don't care, man, any, anything, you know, whatever, whatever fits. And, uh, so it was just kind of ironic. I actually have a picture next to my bed, um, of my dad making a dribble move in a game where you can, where you see 12 on his Jersey. And then I'm making the exact same dribble move in the photo next to it with the two one. So it's kind of a little bit of a mirror image of each other. Um, it's kind of cool, but, uh, to get that father son experience, you know, I remember growing up playing ball, um, you know, dad said, you know, I'd, we'd go to games and I'd be fascinated being in Rupp and, uh, seeing what those guys get to experience. And dad was always told me if he could take the experiences he got to, to, you know, live out and, and give them to me, he would. Um, and truthfully, that wasn't something that I thought was going to pan out until the latter part of my uh, teenage years where the, the spot opened up and it, um, it was necessary for me to be on that roster. Um, so it was truly a dream come true for me, uh, much like Cam, both being Dunbar kids. He had a little bit more of a, of a high school impact than I did, as did Collier, his brother. Um, but nonetheless, both, both Dunbar grads, um, as well as EJ Floriel, who was, who was a walk-on with us in a couple of my years. Um, whose dad was the track coach. So we got to to give back a little bit to Dunbar, um, give some recognition to the school, and then, uh, you know, again, live out the dream of, that uh, every Kentucky boy that picks up a ball wants to wants to do, put on that blue and white jersey. Absolutely. Now, I'm a little bit older than you, but I'm not not old enough to remember when your dad was there. I was, mm-hmm. I was probably a little kid, two or three, if I looked at it right, when he was there at Kentucky. I was a toddler. Okay. Oh, your guys' journey is similar. I think I was like three or four in, in 81 when he was there. Mm-hmm. But both of you guys transferred in from other schools to Kentucky. Uh, him from Midwestern State, you from Gulf, Gulf State College. Mm-hmm. So that was, I mean, that was, you know, kind of ironic too that both of you guys went somewhere else and then worked your way back to Kentucky. Absolutely. And it goes a little deeper than that, actually, for our, our situation, because both both of uh, both the teams prior to our uh, joining won a title <laughs> and uh, and both of us were preseason number ones to repeat. 
and both fell short. Um, so I was actually a preseason, well, not me personally, but our teams when I was there from um, 12 through 15 were all preseason number one picks to win uh, the title, number one team overall, number one recruiting class. Um, you know, in 2013, it was Nerland's Noel and Archie Goodwin, um, Ryan Harrow. 2014 was um, the Twins, Aaron Duran, Aaron Harrison. We had, you know, Alex Poitras and Willie Colley-Stein and those guys. And then my senior year, we had Tyler Eulis, Devin Booker, Trey Lyles, um, Marcus Lee's in there. Um, just, you know, a, a plethora of, of um, guys that were, you know, leaps and bounds above much of the competition. Um, college basketball comes down a lot to experience. So um, both for dad and I, we were, you know, he had Sam Bowie. He had some of those, some of those big names that, uh, that, you know, you might remember um, that we should have had, should have had a couple rings, but both of us uh, fell short. But yeah, the, the first year for me out of high school, um, I wasn't very highly recruited. Um, I was actually going to hang it up and just go to UK as a regular student. And uh, I decided I didn't work that hard and put that much time and effort in um, to try to get my education paid for to just to just hang it up. So I took the junior college route. Um, my dad's senior year of high school, most of it was canceled um, due to uh, snow. They had a bunch of snow days and his his senior year, uh, he was being recruited for Kentucky. And um, when, you know, in those days, back in the eighties, when your name stopped showing up in the paper, you can't, you know, nobody knows why. And it stopped showing up because their games were canceled for snowstorms. Yeah. It's not like, uh, you know, it is today where you can still um, find out information and, and get, you know, information out there. It's, it's, if you're not in the paper, nobody knows, you know, it's just because you're not putting numbers up as far as anybody's concerned. So uh, he had a little bit of a similar route, um, went to Texas and played well. And I went to junior college and played well. And uh, the stars just kind of aligned for both of us to bring us back home and give us that chance. Um, both coming off of national titles so uh you know it was it was very unique um and god willing that those those doors opened for me um and i you know i had i pretty much had to decide much like he did that i want to hang it up um and you know never significant play another significant minute pretty much um for the opportunity to to do my part to improve what had the potential to be a championship team um, you know, but would sacrifice a lot of the glory that you might get at a smaller school if you went and actually got to be the guy that was, you know, had the ball in his hand. Um, both of us made that sacrifice and, and you know, made the decision to try to be the best version of ourselves as players. Um, so it's very cool. It, it wasn't planned that way at all. In fact, we didn't realize it until we kind of stopped and looked back, you know, along my journey. But, um, you know, it was it was an absolute blessing in disguise the way things worked out for both of us. Absolutely. According to BigBlueHistory.net, he was 6'1", 175. You're listed 6'2", 190. Similar size. You got a little, you know, 15 pounds of muscle on him. So <laughs> if, if both of you guys are 18, 19, 20 years old, I assume – You already know the answer to where you're going with this. You I already know he, the answer. He stick to his <laughs> guns, you stick to your guns. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure both of y'all – neither one of y'all are backing down on who would, who would get the better of it. <laughs> so I'll give you this. Um, I've heard I've – heard, you know, war stories about how good of a shooter he was. Um, but there was no three pointer back then. So, uh, he, you know, he was, he was doing pretty well putting up some numbers in high school with no three pointer. Um, he always said if there was a three point line back when he played that they'd have to put his arm in a sling, um, <laughs> which I think is, is pretty funny. Um, he, he told me a story about Joe B hall telling him one time when he put him in at the end of the game, he was like, Bo don't shoot. 
don't shoot, like dribble the clock out. And he was like, it took me seven seconds to get it up. <laughs> so I, uh, I share that, I share that trait with him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we were, I was, I, the game was a little different back then. Um, I was asked to put on, uh, I, I put on weight on my own before coming back. Um, you know, just to be able to compete with the athleticism that is today's game. Um, it's not what it used to be. Uh, it was a little bit more, you know, slow paced finesse, uh, you know, not to step on anybody's toes that are, that are, you know, the older generation, but today's a lot more of a bruiser, um, muscle. It, they didn't lift as much. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the role I was asked to play with Kentucky, um, I, I put on 25 pounds, um, coming from junior college to Kentucky. So that 190 was actually during preseason when they when they weighed us in. I ended up starting the season at 212. Wow. Okay. Um, but I was being asked to guard Alex Poitras at 235. So um, I was still the little guy down there. But uh, you know, I was I was being asked to. I remember Cal pulling me aside and he was like, "Look, he might not like you when practice is over, but your job is to make him better. And I don't care what that takes: foul him, push him, shove him, piss him off." Um, but get him better because that's nobody's going to give him a break when he's out there. Um, so that's I took that role to heart and uh, we butted heads for a long time. But he's that's my brother now. We, you know, we're we we were in the trenches together and uh, we have a lot of respect for each other. Um, but you know, I knew the role I was taking, I'm not going to get the glory for it. But I, I like to think that um, maybe some of those hacks in practice taught him how to play through some of those fouls and um, make some of those plays that he was capable of making for us. Definitely, definitely. Now, if we flip it to the in-state thing, you being from Kentucky, just tell us outsiders what it's like. We 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 saw everything. We all know – you know how the fan base is. Mm-hmm. We all know how we feel when you play for Kentucky and you're from Kentucky. That just mm-hmm. put extra emphasis. Dante Allen on the team now. You were there with Derek and Dom, being mm-hmm. in-state kids. Is it something that you guys visibly feel on your shoulders, that extra weight being in-state kids and everybody wanting you to do that much better just because of that? Yeah, so it was – you know, I had admittedly a, a, a lot less pressure than than some guys have, um, you know, just because of the role I was playing. I wasn't asked to – you know, I wasn't a starter. I wasn't asked to, um, you know, to step up in some of those situations in the spotlight like a lot of those guys were. Derek was, Dom was in multiple situations – um, but I did, however, bring that unique perspective, uh, to a lot of the guys that, that, you know, were coming in from out of state. I specifically recall, uh, Julius Randall, who's, you know, made news as of late as the most improved player in the league this year. Um, I remember him coming into summer workouts and kind of being a little wide-eyed, like, wow, it's like this. Cause it's not, you know, they have they have, you know, not to, not to put down other schools um, in their areas, but people live and breathe basketball here. Um, You know, you can watch a rivalry like Duke or North Carolina or Kentucky uh, Louisville on TV, and it doesn't put it in perspective until you're out there Um, or at least until you're in the stands for an environment like that. Um, You get an entirely different appreciation, entirely different perspective. Um, You know, I kind of joke with Cal a little bit, about the fact that, you know, coaches have a tendency to not look ahead in the schedule or at least priests about not looking ahead in the schedule. Um, but you'll you'll notice that he'll implement little things uh, defensively or so 
three or four weeks in advance of that Louisville game without mentioning why he's doing it until three or four days before the Louisville game. And we start scouting what their offense looks like. And we're like, Oh, that's why we're going under screens on this. And that's why we're doing this in this particular situation. Um, and those are things that you kind of learn uh, as you go through it and you, you develop a real appreciation. Like this game means something. Um, and it's more than just a win or a loss in that column. Um, it's, it, it really does run deep. You know, we know I, I remember pretty much every play from all three Louisville games that we, that we had, um and it's just it's you you know you grow up you you remember them you remember all of them and you grow up just you want that so bad um so it's it's a different it's a learned uh perspective to say the least um but i i specifically remember that julius randall moment i remember a nerland nerland's moment um because that 2013 year we were on the road it was one of the first games in the yum center um and they played uh rihanna's who's gonna run this town tonight right before tip off. And it was like, I'm, I still don't have my full hearing back from that, that game. It was, uh, you know, it was one of those moments that sticks with you. Um, so that's, that's what makes playing for a school like this so much fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now you talked about, uh, Cal wanting you to, you know, piss Porthris off and you you bulked up to two twelve. So I mean, honestly, you could have just bullied your dad. I mean, if that, that <laughs> yeah, <way. laughs> he stopped. We haven't played since I was fourteen. Let's put it that way. <laughs> this past season, man, worst season since the nineteen twenties. You had to go deep in the record books to to find comparisons to you know what we saw on the court. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were frustrated with Cal. You know, Dante Allen should have been playing. We we can't shoot, and we got a you know a, a sniper on the bench. Why isn't he playing? A lot of people thought. I, to me, I think a lot of people were thinking Cal should come in these post game press conferences and be just as pissed off as we were when we were watching the game. If we're throwing a remote or kicking the couch, Cal should come out and just be just just pissed off. I think that's the way the fan base wanted to be. Now the season's over. We heard him at his last call-in show, you know, have your fun now. We're, we're going to be back. And then you see him putting the pieces together for this roster. And you see weaknesses getting addressed. And by his actions, he's a competitive dude. He's a prideful guy. Now we see that, hey, this, this left just as bad a taste in his mouth as it did everybody else's. Yeah, so – um before I start this, this little segment here, admittedly, I intentionally stay away from, uh, looking too deep into recruiting. Um, I, one of my best friends in the world is Evan Daniels. I actually just got off the phone with him right before, uh, we started this podcast. He did evandaniels.com, uh, scouting, uh, scout.com. He's essentially the guy that ranks the players when it comes down to it. He's the one that puts, you know, if we get the number one point guard in the country, he's had a lot to do with the fact that he was ranked there. Um, he's recently transitioned into another role with CAA as an agent for coaches. Um, but for the most part, he's my, my guy when it comes to, um, breaking down a, a certain player's skill set. Um, I've intentionally kind of stayed out of that arena, um, when it comes to the recruiting process, because I'd rather see what they can do when they get here. Um, I don't have as much of an eye for that as he does when it comes to analyzing a younger player. Um, you know, some guys can just see talent and, and know how that can be developed and coached by the right, by the right team of guys, the right, um, you know, unit of coaches, uh, to get the most out of their potential. 
Uh, Evan's one of those guys. So uh, credit to him for what he does. He does a great job with that. I intentionally stay away from looking at it until they're here. So I have a very new and fresh perspective on this roster. With that being said, I know what the staff was after um, trying to go, you know, with a spread offense. We want to go four or five wide. Will he actually stick with that? We'll see. Um, <laughs> does he ever stick with the zone that he's that we implement at the beginning of the year? Not very often. Um, but he is an adaptive coach. I think he's gotten to the point. I had a conversation with Cal this year, um, you know, somewhere somewhere mid-conference season, somewhere around February, um, where we lost a, a, a pretty pivotal game. And uh, I just happened to run into him at a, at a restaurant. And he asked me, he said, what do you see? And, you know, it was more of a, you know, I, I appreciate him asking my advice, but he wasn't looking for my advice. You know, he just wanted to he he wanted to talk about it and uh you know most everybody that he talks to about it has um you know it's media or it's it's his it's his players or his, his guys that are you know that are going to have a a combative battle and um he's 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 an adaptive coach he sees the gaps that we needed to fix um he want i promise you you say you want him to come out to the to the press conference and like you said throw a remote and stuff he's he it hits him harder than any fan it hits the players harder than any fan. They just have a – he knows it's not going to solve anything. Yeah. He's got to figure out the best way to go back to the drawing board and fix those gaps in the offense, fix those sco uh, scoring lulls where we can't seem to get anything that looks good at the basket, right? we got to be able to hit free throws. we got to stop having lapses on defense and getting backdoored. And the problem with uh, coaching a young team especially when you're in the thick of it of the season is that if you take time during practice to focus on a specific thing and don't pay attention to some of the other stuff that they've been doing well and give them credit for what they've been doing well and continue to, to build on that, then you can, you know, lose sight of the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. um, so he's trying to do the best he can. I promise you it bothers him more than anybody watching at home. Um, and he's a Hall of Fame coach for a reason. He will fix what he saw was an issue this year. Um, you know, he'll do his best to build a cohesive unit that fills the gaps that were prominent in in our effectiveness to close out games. Um, I would imagine that um, he's going to take a real deep dive into the offense that caused us to stall out, you know, when between that seven and two to three minute mark left in the second half where we went in significant scoring lulls and allowed guys to crawl back in or extend leads. Um, those are things he's good at. Um, he gets a lot of um, attention for his lack of X's and O's. Um, but it's what people fail to realize. Everybody's an armchair quarterback. That's what everybody praised him for when John Wall and DeMarcus and those guys were here, that he was able to coach them on how to be basketball players and adapt on their own in a situation rather than call play two, three, four, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And they just go out and do it. Um, so, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Um, sometimes you just need players to make plays. There were times this year where the players that we thought were capable of doing that fell short. Um, sometimes it's because they're young. Sometimes it's because they didn't, um, you know, put the work in that, that other guys in the past we've seen uh, put in. Um, and a lot of that, you know, Cal will take on his shoulders. Um, so I think we'll see a significant change in his approach to this season. 
um, because he's not going to have a repeat of what happened last year. For sure. For sure. Um, and you talk about, like, I'm with you as far as, you know, recruits and, and waiting to see what happens when they get here. Uh, like you said, Evan Daniels, you know, Justin Rowland, those types of guys mm-hmm. that follow the journey, follow the process, this visit, that visit, open up recruitment, decommit, all that. I'm I'm with you. So as far as you know, Ty Ty and, and Damian Collins and mm-hmm. and the the new guys, you know, I'm, I'm with you. See what they do when they get here. As far as the transfer, the CJ Frederick, Severe Wheeler, Kellen Grady, guys that have been around and and bring experience. What do you think as far as those guys are concerned? You've seen some guys who have actual college years under their belts. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely impressed with um, specifically Wheeler. I think he's going to be a great uh, – him being able to step in and run a team. We haven't had an experienced point guard um, able to do that. We saw a little bit of it from Davion, um, but Wheeler's just a little bit more of a of floor general, I think. Um, I, I really – I want to get in there and see some workouts, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks. COVID made that nearly impossible last year. Um, I didn't get to see anything prior to the season and very little during. Um, so I'd like to get in there and see how these guys gel together. But I'll tell you this, the, the transfers will come in with the work ethic to, to get those other guys to elevate. Like the, a lot of freshmen, they might be incredibly talented and they might have a great appreciation for the game. But a lot of them have never really had to get down on a stance and guard somebody for 40 minutes. They've never had to they've been able to take possessions off. They've been able to score at will on two, maybe even three guys in high school and AAU. That can't happen in the SEC. It can't happen at the highest level of Division One. You're getting everybody's best shot. Everybody hates to hear that, but you're getting everybody's best shot. And you're not always going to get the calls, especially on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, they have to learn that you can't take a possession off, that when you miss a shot, you can't hang your head. you got to get back on defense. And these transfers – have learned that. And I think that they'll be able to step in and kind of implement that work ethic early on. Um, That's one huge advantage that the 2015 team had going into my senior season is we had a lot of those guys decide to forego the NBA draft and come back for their, for their second year. Um, And we were able to kind of set that dynamic and that tone early in practice. We had, you know, Andrew and Tyler competing for the point guard spot. We had Aaron and Devin competing for the shooting guard spot. We had Alex and Willie going against the freshmen in the paint, Carl and, and Trey. Um, all these guys competing, you know, against, quite frankly, the best competition in the country in our own practice gym. Mm-hmm. And it created that tenacity and that ferociousness to not take a possession off, go after every ball, because we were, we were literally having harder practices than most of the games that we were playing. Um, I think that the transfers that have been in those battles in the SEC will come in and raise that level of competition in practice and in workouts. And I think we'll see a significant change jumping on teams early in the season, early in the games, and not letting off the gas. So inside the NCAA tweeted earlier today that a waiver was granted to allow basketball instruction by non-coaching staff members this summer so a guy like bruiser flint who's in a non-basketball role now can still come in and give instruction and we know how important it is for the summer and and Mm -hmm. the bonding and all that how how uh 
crucial is that to get a, another coach in there during the summer? For instance? So I think it's huge for um, one main reason, um, op- the obvious reasons, of course, but one main reason, and that's because a lot of the scheduling for recruiting visits in the past has had to be centered around who can be there to manage workouts. You know, if Cal's off recruiting um, or, you know, when we had Coach O here and Rod Strickland here at the same time, those two guys were incredible recruiters. But you also wanted Coach O here with KP working on the with the big guys. We wanted, you know, Rod here um, doing all the guard drills with with Coach Robic. And so it made it difficult that if if they were if they were the ones that were being counted on to recruit, that they weren't here to give that expertise in practice. Um, so this, you know, adds that dynamic we're able to to be able to send some guys off to recruit but still have capable coaches here to educate and raise the level of competition in practice and workouts this summer um and that goes a long long way i mean if if you're you know andrew harrison who rod strickland recruited here to play point guard and then in the summer workouts where you're trying to get that work in he's having to you know bounce back and forth across the country on recruiting trips mm-hmm. um that creates you know a scheduling issue with with the staff and you know you they want to be here they want to be here to do their job their job is to coach basketball of course recruiting is a part of that um but this just allows them to to kind of create a more cohesive unit um and have guys here constantly on on workout duty and and getting guys better for this upcoming season as much as recruiting is important for moving forward um you know being here and getting this team ready is the is the first priority right right and bruiser's great a great on-court coach and speaking as of his staff, chin, sorry. Okay, you good. <laughs> Talk about the staff. I want to get your thoughts on the staff. You, I mean, you were there when Coach O was here on his first first stint, and now he's back for, for another go-around. Uh, talk about that staff dynamic. You know, we saw you know, Justice go to Arizona State. Barbie gets a Central Michigan job. So mm-hmm. it's a revamped staff, a lot of transfers coming in, revamped roster. After 9 and 16, you, you know, you mm-hmm. know stuff got to be done. So yeah, yeah. Talk about the the new additions to the staff and, and how you think it all going to fit. So, um, first off, Joel Justice was a GA when I was a senior, um, or junior and a senior, I guess. Um, love Joel. I think he's an incredible, capable coach. I think he'll do a great job at Arizona State. I would have loved to have seen him stick here. Um, but, you know, coaching is about growing, um, learning different systems. If you stay, you know, there's something to be said about somebody like John Shire who – who knows Coach K's system is able to step in and take that role um, as as Coach K departs. Um, but you know he he's you also need to know the dynamic of the way other coaches play, the way other systems work. Um, and and I think Joel made the the best move for him as a coach and moving forward uh, to get a little bit of a taste of something else too. Um, uh, Coach O was here, like you said, when I was when I first here. He had Rod Strickland with him as well. Um, unbelievable, uh, unbelievable person, um, unbelievable motivator. Um, just brings the energy unlike anyone else ever did. I mean, our our staff all around was great, but anybody that played under Coach O when he was here will tell you he was the guy in there, loud, chomping gum, clapping, screaming, yelling bringing the energy and he's a, he's a big, big energy guy, big advocate for inner, for, for just the positive, uh, energy. I mean, six in the morning workouts, everybody's dragging, you know, wiping their eyes and he's in there just, you know, in everybody's face, getting everybody, uh, getting everybody going, getting the blood flowing. Um, unbelievable guy, unbelievable coach. Um, very happy to have him back. Um, so that was a good shift for those two guys. 
Um, I don't know Chen well, but I'll tell you this. I talked to Coach O about him. He signs off on him. I, I've heard I've heard from Evan and, and plenty of other guys that have worked with him that, uh, you know, he's a lifelong basketball guy and he he just loves the game. Um, and, you know, that's that, that that says a lot that that goes a long way in that gym um, because there's a lot of hours being put in in that practice facility. So um, from what I've heard about him, he's fantastic. Um, and, you know, we we know how good Barbie is. Barbie was uh, at first coached against us when he was at Auburn um, and then came onto the staff. So we had a little bit of a relationship with him, obviously played under Cal, uh, probably a good move for him as well. So um, it's just, uh, it's, we got a, a little bit of some fresh faces, um, both on the staff and on the roster. Um, but it's, you know, it's still Cal's system that he's going to bring in the guys that he knows can be an extension of him um, on that sideline and in that practice facility and uh, hold the, the players that he brings into the highest standard. Um, and both Chen and, um, and uh, Coach O are fantastic recruiters. Um, and Robes is, is, you know, still there and fantastic with the, uh, with the back end stuff. He doesn't get enough credit for what he's done with Cal's programs. Um, so they just have all the pieces to put it together. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm curious what order that will fall in, uh, mm-hmm. in, in years past, he's, he's done things pretty consistently, but if we're going to go ahead and decide, we're going to play a four or five out system, uh, the early stages of this summer will be you know, extremely influential with how this season goes. So um, I'm excited for them to get in there and get to work. And we'll all get to see it. Well, exhibition games, of course, but November the 9th, Mm -hmm. we're first up on the Coach K farewell tour when he's getting rocking chairs and cigars and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. We're going to hear it all year long. And uh, only fitting that we'd be the first ones to dive into his farewell storyline. Oh yeah. I love it. I love it. I was, I was, uh, I've, we played, I've played against him several times or I guess maybe twice, I think. Um, but you know, that Wisconsin loss robbed the, uh, robbed the world in 2015 of what would have been an unbelievable showdown or two of the best teams and two of the best coaches really in the history of the game. Um, cause we would have played, we would have had Duke in the national championship game that year. So um, but otherwise, you know, I, I don't know how I managed to circle back to the most devastating day in Big Blue Nation. But um, when me, I didn't I didn't ask nothing about that. Yeah, you, did, you didn't. I did it. I did it on my own. But uh, but yeah, Coach K is an incredible coach. He's done a, a ton for the game at all levels. Um, you know, all the, even with the USA teams, coached several guys, um, you know, that, that's been under Cal. Um, so, yeah, he's he's, uh, you know, he he deserves all the farewell to her have at it he's he's been he's been an unbelievable asset to the game she should shire call coach joe b hogg i mean he's 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 following k joe b followed rup maybe he needs to give joe b a call just to, <laughs> hey, how do we how do we do this man <laughs> it's a tough one it's a tough one he's he's got a, he's got some big shoes to fill um but he's also a very capable coach he's uh like i said he he knows k's system you know probably better than anybody um, he's also an unbelievable person. Um, and I think he'll, I think he'll do an absolutely fine job. They, they won't miss much of a beat. Yeah. You, mentioned, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned, um, you know, Booker and, and the guys in NBA, all the guys you play with, we got cat on cat, you know, crime. AD is trying to give it a go tonight. Mm-hmm. Lakers on the brink of elimination. Mm-hmm. The Suns. 
should be smelling blood. How do you think that plays out? I actually have a, a good friend downstairs ready to watch that game with me, probably decked out in purple and gold. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I was Book's workout partner. Um, I, without patting myself too much on the back, think I was pretty early on in seeing his potential. Um, he is the most focused, positively arrogant person when it comes to his capabilities. Um, he wants perfection. He's the closest I've seen to Kobe when it comes to footwork and when it comes to dedication to learning a move, when it comes to, I mean, he, if, when we would do doing shooting workouts, if the ball hit the rim, it didn't count for him. Mm. Um, he, he just held himself to a different standard. Um, and he would work, you know, he would spend practices working solely on implementing a new move before he would ever try it in a game. Um, he just, he's just got that level of focus. Um, I think that, I think the Suns close them out. Um, I think a lot of that will depend on um, how functional AD is. Um, you know, I, I never want to see a team lose a game. I want to see a team win a game. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, I don't want to see the Lakers get beat because AD can't play. I, I want to see the Suns win because Devin hits a big shot, you know, um, I, I hate, you know, the most heartbreaking thing in sports for me is when, uh, somebody has a, you know, a field goal and misses it and, and they lose because he didn't, you know, put it through the uprights. I'd rather see somebody hit a 55 yard field goal to win. Mm -hmm. Um, so with that same thought, you know, I hope Chris Paul can play. I hope AD can play. Mm -hmm. Um, I, Chris Paul's playing. If they have to chop his arm off, he's going to play. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I just, I hope that, that they both go out there and battle it out. Um, I think the Suns have the edge. I think, like you said, there's blood in the water. Um, and and they're a very, very capable and dangerous team when they're clicking on all cylinders. Um, AD's going to have to come in here and, and uh, you know, stay, it's at Staples, right? I think yeah. he's going to have to come into Staples and, and be solid. Um, even if he's hurt, he's going to have to be solid. And LeBron's going to have to show out. If they're you, – you got a lot of people saying LeBron's the GOAT over Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan wouldn't lose this game. So let's see what happens. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Now, Charles Barkley the other night hit AD with street clothes. Oh, yeah. Street clothes. So he did. For, he hadn't made a guarantee for this, has he? I hadn't seen yet. I, I don't think he's made a guarantee. Well, I might have to turn on uh, TNT pregame, make sure he doesn't guarantee a win for the Suns. That's, that's, a, that's not good if he yeah. does that. So it's we of course look at AD from our perspective. You mm -hmm. know, Oscar Combs said he was the best player ever. Put him above Dan Issel for the year he had at Kentucky. Mm -hmm. But then you know he's 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 missed some games out there. He's had some seasons where he hasn't played a lot of games. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, they're just seeing what they're getting now. You mm -hmm. know, it's so it's you know you you want to chuckle oh street clothes oh Chuck gonna call them street clothes but. It's it's just a. I, I I don't you know. This game is about longevity. Oh. He's you know I, I I can see it was a different era. You know they, it was a different era, back then, and they didn't take games off. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you know I lean more towards the fact that I I feel like I'd be playing no matter what the pain was like. Mm -hmm. Um, that those I, I would be overruling 
the doctors in this situation. If they were to say you're not capable of playing, I'd say somebody's going to have to, you know, strap me to a chair in the locker room then because I'm going out there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't know the extent of his injury. I don't know how much pain there is. I don't know if he's capable of playing. But if he is, I'd expect him to be out there. He's too much of a competitor. Um, you know, we've seen that. He wants to win. I promise you, just like we talked about Cal in the press conference and throwing the remote, AD wants to be out there and win more than any Laker fan wants him to be out there and win. Right. And if he can do it, he will. Yeah. But with that said, you better play. I mean, he better he better play because <laughs> they because to sit there with you know with this much on the line coming off of a of a title world title the year prior um, with the potential that this team has after missing as many games as they have and causing some you know cohesive issues within the within the uh, team and I don't mean you know button heads I mean like they're they they haven't gotten the the they haven't been able to get the flow back because they haven't both been out there together much. Yeah. Um, he really needs to play in order for them to win this. And if he doesn't, I'll even go so far as to say if he doesn't, that'll that's more blood in the water for the Suns. You know, they're going to come out ready to go. Um, so I would expect him to give it a shot. I would expect him to play well. Um, but they're going to need a lot out of both of those two guys because the Suns are a force to be reckoned with. And every guy on that floor can shoot the ball for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we know how dynamic Devin is. We know that two guys aren't going to stop him. Um, so with his, uh, with his ability to spread the floor, uh, it, when they send two guys at him at 30 feet, it makes it pretty easy for the Suns to get a good look. So, um, you know, the, the Lakers are going to have to come ready to go. I just kind of hope, cause when you, you start getting that injury prone tag that, you know, he, you can't get that. He's, he stays hurt. I just, it's it sticks and it's kind of hard to yeah hard to pull it off. And it is kinda, it is kind of where he's getting. Like I don't know how hard, you know, it's not my groin, it's his groin. Mm-hmm. That's you know people kind of sticking that on you and starting to hit yeah. you that. And I just well, there's you know I got a little off topic on my tangent there, but but there's there's injuries that are nagging. If you got you know like Chris Paul's shoulder injury, if you've got you know a groin or a back or a neck problem, like Luca's got a neck issue going on. That's that's causing problems, you know, all the way up and down, arms, legs, everything. You're you you can't you know run or move, or you're not as as as, as doesn't have the agility that you're used to. Um, so his groin issue is no doubt a significant, you know, it's pulling him back on the reins a lot. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's not as simple as a twisted ankle, tape it up and and bite your teeth, you know, bite your teeth and go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I feel for him because it's it's tough that he's that he's getting that label. Um, and I have no doubt that he's hurt. Um, and like I said, I hope that he can suit up. I hope that he can play through it. It's a lot to ask. Um, but he's got, you know, it, and it's a long season and it was a short turnaround. I mean, they, you know, they were, they were beat up pretty good and they had the longest season of any team last year, obviously going all the way to, you know, the, I think it was what six games in the finals. So they played up until when was that? I don't even remember when it late, late July, in the summer, July. late in the summer and then turn around and go right back. And they still had a 72 game season and now the playoffs. So um, it's hard on your body. Basketball is a contact sport. He's asked to play a lot of minutes. He gets compensated pretty well for it. Um, but that doesn't make it any easier for your body to recover fast. You got a groin injury much, you know, you got a Chris Paul shoulder injury. Those things don't heal in 48 hours, no matter how much ice and treatment you get. 
Um, so he's going to be feeling it. Um, and like, you know, like you said, it, it sucks that he's got that label or getting a little bit of that label. Um, but you know, you step up and, uh, and do your part, do the best you can. That's all you can ask for. Um, but I, I hope he can, I hope he can go. I hope he can give it a go. Absolutely. A couple more quick things so we can get down here and watch these games, man. Absolutely. When, when all you guys are back together, big blue madness or various different events, you know, you guys from your era, guys from, you know, that played before you, that played after you. Who are your favorite guys from the older era to talk to? I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. No, you're good. Favorite guys that have come after you to just talk to, kick it with, you know, laugh, joke, cut up with. Who do, who kind of stands out to you from the old guard and then the guys that's come after you since you played? So prior to me, uh, I, I had, I've had a relationship with a lot of the guys that were around from dad's dad's era. Um, you know, Goose Givens is a good friend of his that I've been around plenty. Sam Bowie, um, um, you know, plenty, plenty of the guys in his generation. Um, a guy that kind of split the middle with us was Rex Chapman. Um, Rex has always been great to me. Uh, we had a, a bit of a funny start to our relationship. He DM'd me one time on Twitter and I read it and was like doing something else and forgot to answer him. And we had a, a mutual or we had a, a event we had to do together a couple of weeks later. And he, he called me out on stage on the microphone for leaving him on red. He was like, I got, I got left on red by, by Todd Lanner. And uh, it, we just kind of hit off a pretty good dynamic from there. He's a, he's a great guy. He's, you know, shared a lot of his life experiences, um, you know, learned a lot of lessons with basketball and everything since been very uh, open and transparent about um, a lot of the things that you deal with uh, in, in life and in, in basketball and in sports and family and business and everything else. Um, I have a lot of respect for him. Um, he's been great to me, but, uh, but just talking about the younger guys, um, I haven't been around as many of them because we've only had like, I think, so I, if I got, I guess, I guess the last guys that I dealt with graduated in 2018. Um, but I never played with like Isaiah Briscoe. Um, Isaiah and I were both in, uh, Derek, uh, and Keely, uh, Derek Willis and Keely's wedding. Okay. Uh, so I got to experience some stuff with him. Um, and I had just started doing ESPN radio the year that he was there. Um, and I talked a lot about him, <laughs> some, <laughs> some good things and some bad things. So, uh, I got to, you know, talk, cut it up with him and get his perspective on some stuff. Um, so there's, it's just, a it's the, the mutual respect having been through, uh, a lot of those things together. So a lot of similar experiences together, even, you know, as far back as dad's era all the way through now, um, a lot of those things don't change. The one thing that's the biggest difference maker that the, that the players are challenged with today, it's both beneficial for their ability to market themselves, um, you know, as, as far as building a fan base, um, and market themselves for life after basketball, but is also a huge burden when it comes to obvious reasons is social media. Um, that's something that, that past generations haven't had to deal with. And we were kind of on the cusp between 2012 and 2015, where Instagram started to be big. Snapchat started to be big. Um, and you're still college kids. You still do stupid stuff. Um, and now everybody can find out about it at the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it, that, that perspective alone has caused a lot of these guys to, to have to grow up a lot faster. Um, and, you know, be conscious of those things. Um, 
it's it's you know a very prominent daily thing that we you know a lot of us use it you and i i know specifically use it to get a lot of our news um but uh but it's something that 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 uh you kind of take for granted when you're not in the spotlight um so it's a big challenge for guys these days um in the generations coming in to use that to their advantage um and kind of be above reproach when it comes to that um so that's just kind of a little different perspective on generational situations and we have a three-pointer now, which <laughs> which I, I love to joke about because because Dad's jealous of that one. I bet, yeah, for sure. You mentioned ESPN Radio for so 1300 AM, 92.5 FM in Lexington. Pre-game, post-game show. So this coming season, what time, how long before tip-off do we need to tune in and check you out and, and tell us about the show and tales, man? Yeah, so uh, so we uh, we start an hour before tip-off. Um, we go all the way up right till the tip, um, and then, uh, and then throw it over to the guys in the, uh, arena. And then we start immediately after the, the buzzer final buzzer sounds and go for usually between 40 and 45 minutes, depending on how long the game ran, usually round it off to the hour or something. Um, but, uh, it's, it's been a blast. This will be my fourth year, I believe doing it, uh, co-hosting with Matthew Lawrence. Um, and, uh, they've been, you know, they've done great. They taught me the ropes I've done. I've done several you know, spots on radio shows in the past and commercials. And, um, I did some things with Matt Jones with, um, you know, bracket predictions and breakdowns and things like that, um, on camera. The one thing I've learned, which I talked to you on the phone about before this interview was, uh, was live shows. I, I much prefer doing live, uh, because people expect you to, um, and cough and sneeze and, and lose track of your thoughts and, you know, gather your thoughts and stumble a little bit. It's human. And, uh, you know, when you do a lot of recorded stuff, they expect you to be perfect. Uh, it kind of, it's, it's, it's a lot more challenging to read off a script for me than it is to just kind of come off the cuff and say what I'm thinking. I think it's a lot more genuine. You get a lot more uh, true response. So that's been fun for me uh, when it comes to the radio and the ability to interact with, with the fan base and the callers. Um, we'll be doing a lot of satellite shows this year now that COVID's up where we can get back into um, restaurants or bars and do the pregame show there from, from on site. Um, so I'll be able to do, you know, interviews from, from people that are sitting there with us, bring them up and talk to them. Um, you know, bring in some of my past guys that are around that we can get in for games to do some, uh, some bits with them. And, uh, it's just been, it's been a lot of fun. So yeah, an hour before tip off and roughly 45 minutes, uh, following the last buzzer. Good stuff, good stuff. And speaking of, you mentioned Matt Jones. Definitely glad to hear where he said he was kind of doing better with the mm-hmm. blood pressure scare and all that. He can mm-hmm. talk about it today. So that's good that he's kind of getting through the worst of what he's going through health wise. Absolutely. I had an event um, with him last weekend, um, and uh, he was, you know, he was he was doing okay. So, but that was before the the hospital thing. So, uh, you know, uh, prayers to him and his family that uh, he's able to overcome it. But now that he's out of the hospital, I think things are looking up. So, uh, yeah. you know, good for him. For sure. He does a great job for us and, and uh, has always been um, a consummate professional. Yeah. Yeah. And you also mentioned uh, ESPN radio. Yeah, say hi to my dude, Angelo Guerrero. Yeah. Man. That's my guy. <laughs> Love Angelo. He's the one that makes the gears turn, man. He keeps, uh, keeps everything rolling, keeps me on track. When I get long winded, like I've done on here, 
when I um too many times, he'll hold up, he'll write on a piece of paper and hold it up and shove it in my face. And I'm like, all right, man, I got it. I got it. <laughs> but he's great. He's great. Yeah. And man, here, I got to ask you this one too. Being mm-hmm. from Lexington, Kentucky native, if name image likeness was a thing when you were playing, what's the first place or places of business you would have gone to, to get, you know, some endorsements going for yourself? Um, I was obviously a little bit of a unique perspective because I'm not going to be uh, getting much of the uh, cash flow that some of those guys might have been able to to pull off. But um, I would have done, you know, some local places to try to build their brands like Kentucky branded, um, you know, local places that have always been uh, near and dear to my heart as a fan um, growing up that you'd shop in, you know, you get gifts and things from those those types of places and you always wonder in them when you pass by and mm-hmm. um i've done some work with them in the past and they've always been fantastic so i'd love to to build some of those things build some of those relationships possibly a car that'd been that would have been nice go to a dealership and see what you can work out with those guys mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but you know i was we we were actually we had a a close call in 2014 i think when they were voting on whether they were going to allow that to happen for the 2015 season. Um, I actually don't even remember what prevented it from going through, but it was, it, they almost approved um, players being able to be somewhat compensated for their likeness before that season, which would have been pretty fantastic considering the year we ended up having. Yeah. Um, but that's always a sticky subject. I mean, I, I think um, that, that it, there's a lot of exploitation that goes on with those athletes uh, considering the money they're making the universities at every school, obviously. Um, and you know, specifically tournaments and things like that. Um, there needs to be something worked out, but obviously the amateur status is ever changing. It's a, it's a constant, um, battle with what's right and, um, you know, what's exploiting and taking advantage. And, um, you know, thankfully I don't have to make that decision, but I think there's some type of compensation opportunities that should be made available for sure. That's it. And you, you kind of downplayed it. I think you would, you would have still done well in Lexington <laughs> and you know, Kentucky kid on the, on the team. You, you would have struck up some deals, man. I, I appreciate that. I did. We did a, <laughs> we did a signing tour after my senior year. We got, you know, here's one right here on the wall. We got some, uh, we got some opportunities to do some things. So that was pretty yeah, cool. cool. But, uh, cool. but, but that was, uh, that was postseason. So that, that was after we graduated. So it was a little different, but would have been nice to have been doing a, a, you know, championship tour after that rather than a final four runner up, but exactly. Okay. Exactly. If everybody on Twitter, man, we mentioned it earlier, y'all follow Todd at Todd underscore Lantern three. And you know, you check his profile pick out there. I mean, like you're at the Derby or something, you're looking dapper. It was at the Derby. Around, and you, you topped off that look with an awesome timepiece. And as you know, we we all, you know, familiar with Dave and Ben at La Terrain. You are part of the La Terrain family. They sponsor this podcast. Any kind of watch you want, you want to accomplish, you want to Voyager, you want any kind of look, any kind of band. If you go to the site, LaTerrain.com, if it's something sold out, that just means everybody's got the same sense of style as you. Keep coming back. And when it's in stock, get the watch that you want. But those guys do great stuff. Dave is a new dad. So congratulations to him again for that. Absolutely. But those guys are doing an awesome job getting out fire time pieces. You know, the 96 team had that 25th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yep. That thing was, that thing was hot. Absolutely. Man, they, 
they got you covered in lots of rain, man. Absolutely. They'd done an incredible job to me for, with me. Uh, they reached out uh, a couple months ago and we started working together. Um, I actually, I wear my, my legacy two black with black on black band is my daily go-to. I have my Apple watch on right now. Cause I just came from the gym. I didn't want to wear the leather band at the gym, but the, uh, the legacy two is my go-to. I need to, uh, I need to go ahead and order a couple more bands, do the Brown band for a, a wedding I have coming up that I might need to, ha- to have the Brown match it with not my wedding, but a wedding coming up. I got to go to. So, uh, I need to get with them and go ahead and get the Brown band. They got the interchangeables. So, um, it's awesome. They've been great to me. And uh, again, congrats to Dave on the uh, on the new fatherhood. Yeah, for sure. Well, man, Todd, this has been a blast. Cool getting to meet you and chop it up with you. Talk about looking forward to this coming season, doing some NBA playoffs, all kind of fun stuff we got in on this episode. Uh, Believe in Kentucky. Y'all follow Believe in Kentucky on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. This episode will be up later on and and listen to it. Tell your friends about it. Rate, review, subscribe and all that good stuff. And uh, we'll keep cranking out good content as best as we can. Todd, man, we're looking forward to the pregame, postgame. I'm definitely going to be checking you out when the season gets here, man. First game against Duke. We'll be here before we know it. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for including me. Um, Obviously, I'll share the podcast and everything else. But let me me do what I can to get back on after I've uh, been into some workouts and got a little more insight on this year's team. Oh, for sure. For sure, Absolutely. man. We're definitely looking forward to that. And y'all check us out when Todd comes back on. It's been another episode of Believe in Kentucky presented by Bet Online. We'll see y'all next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.